0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com.
1: Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers
2: and sisters.
1: Uh,
0: Greetings, greetings. Uh, Joking here.
3: Uh, uh. Sounds good to (laughs) me.
1: Yeah, as you'll notice, Scott, uh, once we're like, you know, on the third hour of drinking and talking. It just becomes
4: an hour of throat clearing, basically. Yeah, Yeah. it it, it becomes a, a
1: drooling mess. So, uh, look what you signed up to do.
4: Yeah. All right. Well, it's entertaining listening to you guys clear your throats. I have to admit, <laughs> it's a lot more entertaining <laughs> than when I do it. See, watch. <clears throat> See, yeah, that was that, that was, was nothing. No. That was nothing. Well, that's that what was I'm
1: saying. <clears throat> yeah, we're uh, we're professionals. I, I hope you know that.
4: Well, I'm learning. We get we get you know we get compensated for this. Have you noticed how furiously I've been scribbling notes on my notepad? No.
1: No. I thought you were just playing with yourself, but yeah, that's all right. if That's what you call taking
3: notes in your notepad. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Kind of a small pen.
4: Dare <laughs> <There> you. <laughs> move on, please. <laughs>
1: Speaking of moving I so. on,
3: yeah.
1: have one of our great friend, uh, John Blickman.
3: Hey, yes.
1: He knows how to move on <laughs> like the best of them. That's right. I don't know what that means. And but, innovate at the same time. And, and while he's innovating, he's moving on and innovating at the same time. And if you want to move on in your brewing equipment, if you want to Take move to level. move to the next level, yeah, step it up. Really become, uh, you know, uh, serious about your brewing brewing habit.
3: Well, then and, your brewing addiction, mm. whatever
1: it might be, then I suggest going to
3: BlickmanEngineering.com, com. Blickman with two N's. and a C H and. Yeah, I <laughs> mean bee, it, yeah. the the equipment John makes is all designed to uh, you know make your brewing more consistent, make it uh, easier to manage, mm-hmm. and uh, really does uh, you know good equipment really does improve your ability as a brewer to brew more consistent beer.
1: Uh, for me,
3: honestly, it it makes it more fun.
1: I actually kind of geek out about it, and, and uh, I find it more entertaining. When there's lots of shiny stainless and valves and bells and
3: whistles, yeah. Well, you know, in, in fact, I mean, I was just thinking the other, um, just yesterday, I was describing brewing on a top tier system to a brewer at the uh, hop growers convention, and uh, you know, telling with the with the tower power, being able to do multi rest mashes is very easy. It's you simply, mm-hmm. you know. Type in the next temperature you want to go to, and it does it. I mean, just yeah. put the new temperature and stand back and watch it happen. It's it's pretty amazing, really. Well,
1: I, I think um, you know, there's something to be said for single infusion, but yeah. a lot of times, you know, I think I I look at single infusion because well, it's just easier than multi-step. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think proper multi-step, you know, there's there's value there. There's uh, there can be. Uh, you know, uh, value there depending on, you know, what malts you're using, things like that. So,
3: if you uh, just want to geek out on your brewing because, you know, it's fun because you can, yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that's a a great way to go. Well, what we're doing is, uh, live Q and A. If you've been sticking with us, uh, there's, there's people in the chat. You can go to the brewing com. You can listen live. You can participate in the, uh, in the chat room and ask questions of, uh, the show you don't need a password or login just
3: type in a name and type in click. a name
1: make something up like uh, spider Wrangler or grod mm-hmm. and uh, there you go and you're you're off and running speaking of off and running how about uh, start us off with a uh, question, question for the I'll, Q and yeah, a. you can that. you can also email your questions in uh, <clears throat> Bruce strong at the brewing com if you want to want it answered in one of these QA shows
3: Put Q&A in the put title. Put Q&A
1: in the title. That's a, a much quicker way to get an answer. Uh, if you're looking at a, a whole show topic, put like a show topic in the title and, uh, and we'll consider it for well, an entire
3: like, show. You know, big flags like that.
1: Yes. And all the, you know, grow your penis type of things. Well, mm-hmm. we, we respond to those immediately. But uh, right, right. yeah, there you go.
3: Mm-hmm. And if you want to give us money. <laughs> you know, if you've it. got
1: money in Nigeria.
3: <laughs> that's right. Go ahead. We're, we're your man. Okay. Hey, Bruce Strong Q&A. This is from Brett uh, Shigoge. I don't know if that's how you going pronounce it. Okay, I'll move closer. Uh, this is from Brett, and it says, How long can uncanned starter wort be kept in the fridge before botulism occurs? Well, that's an interesting question. I'm not a pathologist, although I played with one in college. But... <laughs> The backstory is, I saw an article on a blog stating the beer brewer used the microwave to quickly make starter wort with mm-hmm. DME. The hot starter wort was then covered and left in the fridge. The next day, it was taken out of the fridge and the yeast was pitched. Hmm. Is this an effective method of cutting down the time to make the starter wort? Uh, Prentices don't have to boil and chill well, in the sink, or is this dangerous? Thanks, Brett.
1: So here's the thing. <coughs> You know, botulism doesn't occur spontaneously. Right. It's like bacteria doesn't occur, you know. Back in the medieval times, they'd be like, oh, you know, people just got sick by magic. Um, uh, but, you know, botulism doesn't occur spontaneously from within something. If the spores aren't there, then there's no risk of botulism. Right. However... Um, You know, it, it, to be on the safe side with foods that are not, you know, acidic enough, you have to sterilize them, pressure, right. temperature, time, and, you know, enough mm. to destroy spores. Right. And then there's no risk of
3: botulism. Normal boiling won't destroy spores. Right.
1: So, but the fact that you keep it in the refrigerator, just like regular food. So, you've got, yeah. you know, you've made soup. And the soup is just as likely to have botulism spores in it as you've got your malt extract, you've made a starter in a pot on the stove. Your botulism danger levels are probably about the same. Right. You know, done in your kitchen, on the stove, etc., etc. Right. You put that soup in the refrigerator, you know, how many weeks would you eat that soup? So essentially... essentially you know it's it's, it's about the, the the same type of thing yeah um yeah botulism you know, I think the the risk neat. risk is there the colder it is right. the, the less growth you're going to get you're not going to get the spores botulism i think uh, the spores erupt and grow into all this terrible stuff uh at you know higher temperatures than refrigeration that's why refrigeration temperatures are below 40 degrees fahrenheit right and because it suppresses the spores and things like that. And right. so you don't run the risk of botulism. Botulism is like in canned goods that are stored on shelves and things like right. that. Uh, that's that's really where when you're storing room temperature that you – so you you get a much longer period of time right. if it's refrigerated the entire time.
3: Right. It's Yeah, botulism still has to grow. And the reason it grows and the reason people fear it is because – You've supposedly canned. You've boiled. You've canned the good, and then it sits on the shelf for weeks or months. And during that time, if there's boxes or years, in there, yeah, it can grow to lethal mm-hmm. levels. But um, certainly, boiling in the microwave and putting it in the refrigerator for a short period of time. Well, boiling on
1: the stove, boiling in the microwave—it's the same kind of boiling. It, it just as decorate. long as it's boiling, yeah. Uh, you know, it's boiling. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's temperature time and boiling is not does not actually, you know, have any effect other than you've reached 212 degrees or whatever depending on the, right. you know what
3: altitude you're at kill active bacteria but yeah, no active it's just no spores
1: a certain it's an indicator of a certain level of heat mm-hmm. and then uh you know you've got it at that heat uh you've killed whatever but you're still not killing the spores
3: right so the answer to the question is, is, an, is this an effective method of cutting down the time to make it starter word? work? Sure. Yeah, sure. There you go.
1: Here's your answer. Correct. Done. Done. All right. Here's one from Casey about uh, force carving. Hey, guys. When force carving a beer in a corny keg, should I hook up my CO2 line to the in or the out? Follow up. What PSI and how long do I leave it? Uh, There's charts for that in books called How to Brew and uh, Brewing Classic Styles. Indeed. Uh, I know it sounds like a dumb question, but I've just started kegging, and both times I've done it. It turned out fine with the CO2 on the inline, set for 30 PSI for three days, and then dropped to 10 PSI for serving. There it is. Brewing with a friend. He told me that I should be carving through the outline because the dip tube goes all the way to the bottom and will carve the beer (laughs) faster since it's submerged and will bowl up the CO2 from the bottom. Does not matter? Casey... It does not really matter the size of the bubbles from the bottom and the, the the difference in carbonation time is minimal. Yeah, I mean if you do a really fine bubble through oh, a really small stone, a uh, centered stone, then maybe you're 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 gaining something. But uh, through the dip tube, no, no, don't even bother.
3: Just uh, yeah. do what you're doing. That's what I always do.
1: I can't imagine you save even five minutes going to the out, Um, and then you have to mess around with you know because the in and out connections are not the same. You got to have an out connection, and then you got to have an in connection for the serving. You got to swap those things around. You probably lose more time dicking around with it than you do just doing what you're doing. There you go. What's your next one
3: there, uh, Palmer? Well, it's a it's a long one. It's from uh, Robert He's Block. got a long one. Palmer's got a long one. <laughs> uh, it's a bottle conditioning question. And he has, well, he, let me let me go into all the accolades he heaps on you. Okay.
4: I'm there you go. That's, the that's what I
1: wanted you to read.
4: Yeah. That's why I printed that one out. Jay-Z, I am a huge fan of your throat clearing. <laughs> all right.
3: There you go. I'm a fan of your huge throat. I discovered you guys about a month ago and have been slowly making my way through the old shows starting in 2005. I recently started listening to Brew Strong as well. I followed Jamil's advice about sanitation and using a Big yeast starter in my last batch, two liters in a five-gallon batch. I started with the 1050 all-grain pale ale. It started fermenting within three hours and seemed to complete after about four days. I bottled in another batch over the weekend and planned on checking the gravity of the pale ale and bottling if possible. Unfortunately, I dropped my hydrometer and broke it. I tasted the beer and it was not sweet. I bottled the batch after seven days. I am bottled conditioning with about one cup of DME. I paid careful attention to the cleanliness of the bottles and soaked them in iodine four before bottling. I'm not overly concerned about infection. My question is, what is the danger oh, of exploding bottles? Question. What is the probability <laughs> that the beer completed the fermentation in seven days? Is there anything I can do to mitigate the risk? They are stored at 68 degrees and it's very constant. Any advice you could give would be appreciated.
1: All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Brew Tattoo will have read the question and we'll have an answer for you. Back after this
0: when you hear Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps home brewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant well. Thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at blickmanengineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey, my broom brothers and
1: sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, when it spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive of bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea.
5: Cheers. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way.
0: 10, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys yeah. barbecues with the guys yeah. operating power tools with the guys yeah.
4: um, actually sir that's really
0: dangerous Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. Don't no, make that demand, son. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmasters Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at BrewmastersWarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmasters Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit BrewmastersWarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're doing a live Q and A here. Me and uh, Palmer and Scott and our good friend uh, Brew Tattoo, who has an answer to uh,
3: our bottle conditioning question.
1: Ro- Robert. Or
3: Robert Black says
1: Robert. Robert's uh, question on bottle conditioning. <clears throat> what, what do you What do you say
3: in this case?
6: I say to Robert that he has got no problem whatsoever. I think he's okay. You know, all the conditions that he spelled out in his email, he's, he's got no problem. He's, yeah. good. Should he's be, good. Should be fine. I mean, the only thing I can say was, you know, it's not going to hurt anything if you give it a little bit more fermentation time.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. You know, another week and you're fine.
1: All right. Well, it depends on the yeast, too. I mean, something like a an English ale yeast that tends to, you know, be done in three or four days. Uh, you know, seven's, seven's good. If it's, uh, uh, you know, a Belgian yeast or a Saison yeast that tends to take a little bit longer, then, you know, maybe that could be an issue. He doesn't mention what kind of yeast he's, he's right. using there. He well, says so it's good. like a pale ale or something like that oh, yeah. so okay. so maybe it was a cow ale and then you're kind of in the middle there uh so th- that would be fine but yeah i i agree and in, in, in general i think i think you're right that there's probably nothing to worry about there one way to find out if uh there was an issue is if he did a forced ferment test at the beginning right. then uh, that would tell you how much it's supposed to attenuate. To of course uh, he busted his hydrometer, so Still no way to measure it. Yeah. No way to measure it. But but I mean he could have tasted the side by side yeah. or something. I don't.
3: Know. I I, okay. I think you know the essential question is what's the probability that the beer completed the fermentation in seven days? Pretty Nin- high, ninety ninety plus percent. Yeah, and he t- he said I tasted tasted the beer and it was not sweet. Yeah, so he's he's good. There's the, probably nothing. Yeah, to and about.
1: especially non when it when it's not carbonated you taste it and it doesn't taste sweet that means it's pretty dry <laughs> once you yeah. carbonate it uh so yeah i, I think uh but
3: yeah yeah there's there's no need to rush this though i mean bottle the batch after 7 days i mean yeah. you know let it go two weeks or if, three if weeks. if
1: your yeast that you started with is fresh and healthy uh you know it's not going to it's not going to die and barf up and you don't have to hurry yeah uh, when i first started homebrewing, they're like okay on day 7 you do this yeah had no input onto what it looked like, what you were doing, what yeast strain, what the gravity was. You just always day seven you do this, day fourteen you do this, and it was just like a fixed thing, which which made no sense to me. I would say that.
6: Uh, sorry. Go okay. Ahead. I would say that he has said that he has tasted it. Uh huh. And that is key, right there. Yeah. He's tasted yeah. it.
1: Yeah, he's he's got some measurement at least yeah. some sensory evaluation.
6: I'm a, I'm a big believer in tasting your beer at every stage. Mm-hmm. You know, your you runoff, you can taste it when it's done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Your wort, you can taste it, and you know what it you know you know what it tastes like. And you stick your and finger
1: your finger in your belly button, you taste it. Oh yeah, well that's nice. You know,
6: but and then you, you taste your finished beer. Mm-hmm. You know, in the fermenter, mm-hmm. and you get an idea for what that tastes like compared mm-hmm. to as fermented or as carbonated. Mm-hmm. It's got a different flavor every step of the way, and and your ingredients too. Taste your ingredients at every right. step of the way. You know, your your raw malt and everything else. Mm-hmm. You get a good feel for it, and you know when it's done. Without if you break your hydrometer, right, and you taste your beer, and it's like, hey, that's done. You're good,
1: right? I, mean, yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. If you've been Doing that, if you've been tasting everything mm-hmm. uh, as you brew every every time you brew, you should be tasting everything. Like like uh brew Tattoo's saying, um, when you run into a problem where you don't have equipment, you, know, you broke your hydrometer, you can taste it and go, oh no, that tastes done. Yeah, that's 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 right, and uh, y- you know, so you know, experience is is a good guide, and uh, tasting is as well. All right, uh, I know we got some people in the chat that are. I'm anxious to ask some questions while we snap one of those off, Scott.
4: All righty. This one's from the Matt Smith. He said, I ferment with a temperature control in a dedicated fridge with a therm wrap. I usually only have one carboy at a time, but is it safe to assume that if I have two carboys in the fridge and only one being controlled, will the ferment condition uh, be identical to the other carboy, in other words?
1: No. Unless the fermentation conditions are identical? No. Uh, same yeast, same pitch rate, same gravity, same sugar um, makeup, same oxygen levels, same nutrient levels. Uh, there is no guarantee that it'll be the same. It should, it might be close if you start them both at the same time. Like, like, let's say you um, you're making ten gallons of beer and uh, you split your your wort into two carboys and you do your best to pitch equal amounts of the same starter. And oxygenate them the same, and then put them in the same fridge and like that. Then yes, but if you're if you've got one beer going, and then you brew the next day, and you're brewing a different style of beer with a different yeast, and you put that in there, no.
4: He in said case. ten gallon batch split, same beer, same yeast. He just added there. That. You go.
1: Yeah. yeah. Then I then I think yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, push them together so they're touching, and uh, you know you could also wrap. You know, some bubble wrap or something around it. But, yeah,
3: reasonably the same. Yeah,
1: yeah. But if they're different beers, no, because sometimes people think, and the, the reason I jump on that is because people think, well, you know, the 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 room is at sixty five, so my fermentation's at sixty five. Well, it's, no, it's like that has nothing to do with it. You know, it's the the heat of fermentation has a big plays a big role in the actual fermentation temperature.
4: Is there a safe number to assume, like, oh, it's it's going to be four degrees warmer than the ambient temperature, ten degrees, or does it vary? <laughs> no. It
1: varies radically, depending on the yeast and the... Actual uh, volume. Yeah. There's so many things. All
4: right, you guys want another one? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, from... Uh, well, why not? We live for this. Well, from Spider Wrangler. Uh, he said, Mosaic. Have you guys used it? Have you had beer with it? Yes. Uh, any suggestions on how to make uh, the flavor and aroma characteristics work using other hops to complement or build up certain flavors, etc.? He said for reference, some of the descriptors he's heard includes grassy, earthy, herbal, citrus, cedar, floral, pine, tropical, spice, stone fruit.
3: You know, it's yeah. ironic they have a hop mosaic virus and then they name a hop variety right. after that. Right.
1: Um, I got a lot of the stone fruit, tropical, you know, cedar out of that. Um, uh, our good friend uh, Tasty McDole, um, uh did a uh, mosaic beer and uh, was kind enough to uh, part with some samples. And uh, the you know the the, the thing I got on, on mosaic was that, and also kind of a um, you know in that case it, it seemed rather subtle overall uh, for the amount that he had put in that batch. I was, I thought it was kind of a restrained kind of, you know, all those, those tropical characters were fruit present, but
3: compared to say another tropical fruit variety or
1: yeah, it was, it was, it was quite stone fruity, you know, peachy, tropical fruity, passion fruit, a lot of yeah. passion fruit okay uh, in that. So I don't know, uh, whatever you use that in. I, I like the combination. I, I guess is the question <laughs> what, what, what kind of beer would you use that in? Or how would you?
4: Um, Yeah, well, he didn't ask that directly, but that seems like a good question.
1: Uh, All right. Hey, coming up with the questions and answering them. (laughs) Uh, Could I be any better? Right. Uh, I think, um, you know, what I like is, uh, you know, uh, the caramel characters, kind of like, uh, you know, a caramel candy character with the tropical fruit. Uh, we do that in Evil Twin. I try and have a, a lot of caramel and a lot of tropical fruit, and I think the two go together really nicely in a beer. So uh, that's one of the things I go for. And, and I think the, the beer I tried it in was uh, just kind of like a blonde, kind of pale ale ish beer. But I think a little more. It, and the weird thing was in that one I thought like the caramel kind of no well, see I gotta backtrack here because I thought the caramel kind of countered it <laughs> but in general it, maybe it wasn't enough of both I think if you're going with a, a subtle character go with a pale blonde don't use a lot of crystal malt if you're gonna go overboard and totally blast it with those hops then maybe some caramel to kind of Bounce get that out. dessertish kind of thing going on hmm. uh, I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about. So. All right. Good couple of questions. Uh, who's next? Who's next? Uh, let's see. Ricky. Hey, guys. Can't, can not too much headspace in the fermenter, primary and or secondary, uh, affect the yeast flocculation?
2: Uh,
1: he's got a whole backstory here. Let's see. A couple of months ago, I brewed Amber. That's split into two Two and a half gallon batches We we'll when going to a 60 gallon bucket for fermentation. Pitched to why I use 1056 and one use 1272 and the other in order to compare the yeast strains and attenuation will one point in each other. I noticed that the 1272 didn't flocculate oh, as person. much as the 1056, but I didn't think much at the time. Both beers consistently give me really bad gas, and friends have also complained about stomach problems I have drinking this beer. I've been brewing about four years. My process is pretty consistent. This is the first time I brewed this recipe, and it's my time using these yeast strains. After going through my notes, I cannot figure out anything different in the process. My time, success, the ex- extra headspace in the fermenters, and this to leave to the oxidation, but anyway, could affect the use of flocculation. I love your show and read your books. How to you yeast? Amazing resource, thing for all the great info, Ricky. I had the exact same question yesterday. So I'm <laughs> glad he asked. All right. Um, what I really appreciate is that he put the question in the very first, line, and then all that other stuff is just after it. Um, you know, yeah, uh, you know, all, you know, all, all sorts of things can affect flocculation. Uh, you know. If flocculation, that, that's one of the first signs that a yeast gives that, you know, something's not quite right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, one of the, the mutations that happens quite early on. The thing that in his backstory that I notice is that he's talking about Y yeast 1056, American Ale 1, and Y yeast 1272, American Ale 2. And he's noticing that the 1272 didn't flocculate as much as the 1056. Right. But. They're different yeast strains, so they're not going to flocculate exactly the same. Right. Um, you know, um, that's, you know, one of the differences between different yeasts. Uh, so don't expect all yeast to flocculate the same. The fact that you get really bad gas, and friends have also complained about stomach troubles after drinking this beer. Might want to let the yeast settle out first. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe you guys are just a farty couple of bastards. I don't know. That could be. could be.
3: Yeah, I mean, I always, I always let my beer, you know, fall bright before I try. But drinking. you fart a lot too. Well, yeah. So that's the food I eat. <laughs>
4: it's just the way I roll. <laughs> there you go. There's your answer. It'll be Maybe a good, it's the food you eat. Be a good name of uh, stone stones next beer. Farty couple of bastards. <laughs> farty, farty couple of bastards. Yeah. Uh, okay. Farty, farty bastard.
1: Yes get some real sulfury kind of uh, yeast and the hops in there. Call it farty bastard. There you go. Okay. Um, right, More questions from the chat or a break? No, let's take a, let's take a short break. I okay. need a break. <laughs> we'll be back after this.
0: is the key to your best beer. Hi,
1: I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook
3: with your homebrew
1: for Brew Your Own
3: magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not
0: writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. Read your way to better homebrew. For nearly 15 years, homebrewers have been served by one place in Michigan where you can buy yourself a serial killer grain mill. Adventures in Homebrewing. Did you try all those great Michigan beers at the National Homebrewers Conference in San Diego or Seattle? Adventures in Homebrewing delivered. Did you see a great false bottom in your buddy's cooler or brew kettle? Adventures in Homebrewing delivered that. And did you see that great custom-built brew stand? Yep, Adventures in Homebrewing delivered. Since 1999, Adventures in Homebrewing in Taylor, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and online at homebrewing.org has been serving homebrewers brewers across the globe. Check out their innovative 2.5 gallon keg with metal handles. great homebrew kits and the fully adjustable cereal killer grain mill. Visit them in Philly for the 2013 National Homebrewers Conference. Not gonna make it? Check out all the fun of adventures in homebrewing at homebrewing.org. For a limited time, coupon code Network will slam 10% off your order. Bam! Adventures in Homebrewing. Join the adventure at the Great Lakes Home for Homebrewing Supplies online at homebrewing.org and don't forget coupon code Network for a limited time. Join the adventure today.
7: Are you a hop head? Beer lovers of all stripes will love Brewers Publications latest release IPA Brewing Techniques, Recipes and the Evolution of India Pale Ale by Mitch Steele. I wanted to write a book that presented an accurate review of the history of IPA and also provided current technical brewing tips and recipe information. India Pale Ale is a style I love because it has a rich fascinating history and today it provides brewers a showcase for all the great new hop varieties that are available. I'm so proud of this book and I know you'll enjoy Enjoy all the recipes and thoughts from so many of the world's
6: great IPA brewers.
7: IPA is available now from Brewers Publications at BrewersPublications.com and your favorite homebrew store. Order your copy today and take your hot Ford beers to the next level.
0: American Homebrewers Association and Brewers Association members receive early notice and special discounts to most Brewers Publication releases. Visit BrewersPublications.com to learn more and to find a schedule of author appearances. IPA by Mitch Steele. Get yours today. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, a, a fine, balmy evening in lovely downtown Martinez.
3: Martinez. And, uh, you know, we're listening to the lovely sounds of the train. <laughs>
1: the train going yeah. by. Well, the hobos need, you know, train access. You know,
3: Pennsylvania okay. six
1: five thousand 65,000. Right. It's, it's one of those, you know, yeah. back in the uh, de- Depression era, which uh, Martinez is still experiencing. Mm-hmm. A lot of hobos traveling the rails. Yeah. Well, it's fine. Chattanooga, Choo Choo. Big Rock Candy Mountain stuff yeah 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 and here we are uh answering questions live right. and emailed and you emails. can email your questions to bruce strong at the brain com. title them with q a if you want them answered on the Q and A shows right if you okay. want That's them not answered just title them something else
3: all right uh, the, who who had the last one uh you did i think we, right. we did it from the chat right no, no. i don't know well, I've got one here that's that's uh, for me. So. <laughs> so you might as well go ahead and ask you might as well go ahead and do it. Okay. Question on podcast two hop utilization and water from Jack.
1: John, you were wrong. That's <laughs> no what must have been why I printed that one out. John,
3: you ignorance. Anyway, dear sirs, I listened to your podcast on the topic of hop utilization and water. There is a statement statement from John, I think the recent scientific studies measured the amount of alpha acids going into solution and it does not depend on work gravity can you please provide me with a reference or better yet a link which documents those recent scientific studies well it's a good question um and did you say that i did oh really
1: yeah yeah, i wouldn't believe that i'd be the same i'd be like what the fuck john
3: okay um come up with that shit the the context here is a bit misleading, but I can I can paraphrase. He can come um, up
1: with in, in paraphrase even come up with a bullshit answer to right. kind of smooth that over. All right, go ahead. Th-
3: this uh, that statement was from um, a couple of papers that Tom Schellhammer uh, put out. Mm. These were in the it's a good ASBC, source. I think, or it might have been MBA, but I think it was ASBC mm-hmm. and American Society of Brewing Chemists. Um, And what he was doing, they were doing isomerization studies Mm -hmm. on alpha acids Mm -hmm. as a function of temperature. Mm -hmm. They did examine uh, different work gravities Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. found that there is no difference in the amount of isomerization that occurred at, you know, gravity A versus gravity B. And I don't remember what those gravities Mm -hmm. were at the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, moment. So
1: it's it's just really, you know, isomerization is one thing, but it's also the dissolution of the material in the solution that is maybe affected so isomerization solu- yeah solubility is, solubility is different than the isomerization
3: which is a rate really. right right yeah.
1: so so that's not affected but the solubility is and that in turn affects the overall IBUs right and solubility is affected by
3: per yeah. gravity so while I can't really so John is you right a- oh you bastard yeah
1: <laughs> I can't really provide sense. a link,
3: but the, the, it was they were written by uh, Tom Shellhammer, mm-hmm. and um, the other thing I want to mention was that while the you're the, right, he was wrong. <laughs> no, the isomerization rate is constant, uh, and it, but Jack, it is you're dependent, wrong. dependent on temperature. No. The other, the reason that we say in um, in our IBU equation mm-hmm. that uh, the IBUs change or the utilization rate. Mm -hmm. And the IBUs changes a function of gravity Mm -hmm. is because that at higher work gravities um, there is less solubility Mm -hmm. of the
1: solubility has changed yeah so there's less to isomerize
3: right but also that at higher work gravities you have higher amount of break material Mm -hmm. and these alpha acids which are largely insoluble Mm -hmm. have more surface area to stick onto Mm -hmm. in a higher gravity more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. therefore, higher protein break. Mm-hmm. So more of the more right. of the alpha acids are carried out of solution, mm-hmm. and that's why you get decreased utilization at higher gravity.
1: It's like pitching rate and cell size and all that affects how much True. bittering you end up with in the final beer as well. Right. I mean, I mean it almost doesn't matter <laughs> what you're putting into your beer. You know, when you're do- finely tuning. Your uh, IBU additions into a wort because – and not paying attention to what your pitching rate and your – your right,
3: fermentation Cells
1: and, yeah. you know, all that in the nutrition, all that. Because if that doesn't matter, that, that radically changes how much bittering you end up with. So, you know, you might as well just wing the whole thing if you're not going to, you know, pay attention all the way down through the line.
3: Very good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very interesting, John. You you pulled that one out. I'm thank you. Thank you. I am impressed. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, I think that is very very good. That was a, a, a very educational answer, and I learned something on that. All right, uh, let's see. Donald asks about uh, sour uh, equipment cleaning. As we decide to make more and more sour beers, we've been wondering what can be cleaned and what equipment should be reused for sour and non-sour beers. I'm even wondering about if we can reuse PBW and star sand for both type beers. Make 5-gallon buckets of each and reuse it until it is dirty. So should we make different ones to clean and sanitize our sour equipment? Of course, our tubing is separate. We're using our old, better bottles for sour beers, but can plastic funnels be cleaned and used for both when pitching yeast? How about O2 stones? Can PBW even indro- it destroy cysts formed by some
3: bacteria?
2: Hmm.
1: You know, if you're using something until it's dirty, yeah. I mean, once it's dirty, that's too late. Right. <laughs> you want to change it out before it's dirty. I mean, you know, the meaning of the word dirty. So maybe it's like, well, you know, they don't want to use it because it's about to become truly dirty. Um, Would you make separate PBW and star sand? They're different things. Um, I would not worry about reusing the same PBW in both, although I guess you would have some carryover bacteria, but the purpose of PBW is to clean... Uh, material the thing, off yeah. of it. It's a cleaning thing. Yeah. Uh, and if you're rinsing thoroughly and it's it's effectively cleaning still, then that's fine. Uh, but it's not a sanitizer. Uh, but Star San, um, again, you know, it should be killing off what, what right. what's going. Um, I, you know, for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I think it makes perfect sense that you could use it mm-hmm. again for both. But I wouldn't <laughs> just because Again, like the guy who was worried about the scratches in the bottom of the corny keg right uh, you know this one would this one would phase me uh, unlike that one yeah. um, you could reuse the plastic funnel again, it depends on you know scratches and things like that. Uh, what's the cost of a plastic funnel it's uh you know a yeah. dollar and, and, and the the uh gross uh, grossly uh, the quarter percenter over there says it's only a dollar
3: yeah and well so the other must thing be I true think- uh. The other aspect of this question that occurred to me it was that uh, star sand. I mean, making up a five gallon bucket of it and then reusing it between multiple batches. Right. You don't need to soak with star sand. Right. You all you need to Just put in coat. is like yeah, uh, put in a cup worth and shake it all up, get it to coat all right. the surfaces, mm-hmm. and dump that out, mm-hmm. and then you still got you know the rest of the bucket. I mean, right. It's so Just I, make I, up as much
1: as you need.
3: Right i I mean you and I both said we we typically put star sand in a spray bottle with distilled water as the solvent and just spray things with it,
1: yeah, uh, but I also tend to soak things in star sand too I, mean, well, I make yeah. up the five gallon bucket I you know okay, and then I spray it, spray okay. my hands, spray my face, my body,
3: <laughs> I glove yeah. up
1: you know, I put just, on the mask
3: I just spray and i i have i I don't have any infection problems with it, but so you say yes, okay. Well, there
1: you go. Uh, can PBW destroy cysts formed by some bacteria? I don't know mm-hmm. if it's if it can denature the proteins that uh, form the cyst uh, walls or something.
3: Right? I suppose it could. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't count on it, but uh, mm-hmm. I be a said. good friend, good question for our friend John Hershkovitz. There, there you go. There
2: you go. All
3: right. Moscow, we got anything from the chat?
4: Uh, yeah, there's a couple more. Uh, one of them is kind of a funny question. It is, if I... Sorry, no, I'll read a question about sours first. Um, Damn, can really pressure useful. impact... I'm going to get... It can pressure impact the sourness of a lacto-inoculation. So he inoculated mm-hmm. wort... And this is from uh, uh, Greg Lovespear. Uh, he inoculated wort in a keg and uh, did not vent the pressure for a week. The sourness was uh, very low. Was that because of the pressure?
3: I don't think so, probably just because of the time.
1: Yeah, that, you know, temperature, time, temperature, inoculation rate, you know, substrate, things like that. But uh, uh, pressure affects all organisms. You know, the function of of cells and anything, uh, you know, the amount of pressure changes, uh, you know, especially with the buildup of... um, The excrement, essentially, of you know the 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 process from bacteria or from yeast. It's like yeast put out all the CO two, and when you trap that and you keep them under pressure with all the CO two waste, it tends to suppress their activity. I imagine the same thing could be true on bacteria. I don't know for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, most you, you put a person in a room and trap, you know, their output of CO2 the person starts to slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, I think that there's there might be something there
3: to
4: that. He's adding to it now. He says 7 days uh between 80 and 90 degrees the starter was uh from a yeah. White Labs vial. Right.
3: Um, um but a week still seems like a short period of time for bacterial uh, inoculation.
1: You know, you can get pretty sour. You know, the the if it was a higher temperature I'd say yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and it, it, it. What's your perception of sour? If it started out at a higher gravity, and you know, there's still some residual there. I, I don't really know. Uh, pH is a good measurement of sourness, and uh, you know, I would I would monitor that. But I I would tend to bleed off the pressure if it were me. Yeah. Just because I think that pressure isn't good for just about
4: any organism. Well, there's one more you want to take a break. Do it when we come back?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's do this.
0: Uh, Let's take a break. And when we come back, a little bit more of this. Hey, Brewers, it's planting season. Have you ever dreamt of walking through your own hop garden? Well, look no further than Woodburn, Oregon and the Crosby family hop farm. Blake Crosby and his family have been passionately growing hops for five generations. And right now, they're taking orders for 2013 rhizomes for all retail and wholesale customers. The Crosbys know how to grow hops and are here to help you establish your family's very own successful hop garden. In fact, when you plant a hop rhizome from the Crosbys, you're using the same plant your favorite professional brewer bought his hops from. Friendly professional service, fast shipment, and quality hops at competitive prices. The Crosby family brings all of this to you. Call 503 982 Six or visit b.crosbyhops.com and let Blake Crosby and the Crosby Hop Farm help make your hop garden a reality. b.crosbyhops.com Hops from the Crosby family farm to yours.
5: BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And HopTech not only carries Y-Yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 4562333 and T-58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's, Nottingham, and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount. And active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com.
0: Putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contract, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates, get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shopper, Tonight is the night! We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitgrenstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation! My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's and the acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! <laughs> Enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, JP. Or we have beer to brew.
5: When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. And unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint.
0: All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Om- Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini-clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of BrewVent Yeast Fuel as well, yeast nutrient, and The all new bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're enjoying each other's company here. And if you want to enjoy the company, uh, we're well, fine, friends. I suggest going to adamandeve.com. Right. Pick up something sensual for you and your friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no, seriously, you can go to uh, our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. Uh-huh. Get Yeah, use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. Uh, you are going to get fifty percent off uh, just about any one item. You pick an item, fifty percent off. Okay, you know, get the giant whatever you want or the get the
3: party pack of condoms, or... party pack
1: or the uh, the grande size, whatever. Fifty uh, percent off or DVD. And once you once you've got that item in your cart, you are going to get. Uh, a free extra gift you gonna get free shipping and you get three free DVDs
3: of your choice that's pretty good that they're of your choice
1: right it's not just like the the, uh, the pig fucker thing it's you get to choose from genres such as anal amateur Asian big breasts big butts bisexual, chunky co fish, fetish gay interactive POV lesbian milfs etc yeah your choice okay I'll, uh... again the free shipping all that stuff you can even do this from your mobile phone you That's go to good. adamandeve.com, you can shop from your phone, look at this, the uh, quarter percenter over there, he's already ordering up a uh, big uh, six-pack of dildos. Uh, so, you go to adamandeve.com, offer code Jamel. 50% off one item, three free adult DVDs, uh, a free sensual uh, gift, and free shipping. All that stuff, one item,
3: 50% off. It's quite a deal.
1: I think so. And uh, a lot of satisfied customers, so go check them out. Uh, if, if if you got something that uh, a friend to experience uh, good things with, uh, Adam yeah, and like, Eve could make it a little bit more fun. Go check it out. That's what Palmer and I use all the time, Adam and Eve. Right. You know. Going off to JBF uh, together or right.
3: NAC
2: CCC. together.
3: We always... So we started off with a visit to Adam and But my wife drew the line at using my name for the offer code. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't want want too many Johns
1: on the Adam and (laughs) Eve (laughs) site. All right. Uh, Let's see here. we got just uh, time for maybe one or two more questions. What have got in the chat? Let's make sure we, we cover those since people are listening live.
4: Well, this one might be a little silly. It's from Riggs. He says If you mix two parts hoppy IPA and one part barley wine, mm-hmm. will you have a drinkable Imperial IPA?
1: Well, it depends on the the individual beers. Um, drinkable? Yeah, sure. If, the, if all those beers were good, sure. Um, you know, will it be the best Imperial IPA? Possible? Probably not. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is um, if you judge a lot of competitions and mm-hmm. you drink some strong beers or something, and you know, there's the dump bucket, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you well, ever drank the dump bucket? I have. Oh, yeah? Have you yes. really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I had a few too many. You lose a bet? No. I, it's just people like, well, you know, it would be horrible. And it's, you know, if it, if That's you're drinking, true. if you're judging with people that you would kiss anyways, uh, you know, it's it's not that bad. Um, and surprisingly, often it's it's a beer with a great balance. It's got a lot of malt character, a lot of character. <laughs> it's really not that bad. It's shockingly good. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking this is going to be like you know sewage. Yeah, it's not. Wow. So sometimes you know blending different beers can be a good thing, and and it just depends on the beers. So I'm not saying it wouldn't be, but. Um, you know, it really depends on the beers. You could make something really nice, though.
3: So. Yeah. I don't think there's anything magical in, like, an Imperial barley wine, though, because the Well, the Imperial persents...
1: IPA, taking a regular, really hoppy IPA and, mm-hmm. you know, raising the gravity that way. The, you know, the barley wines tend to be too malty for a good
3: uh, Imperial, I think.
4: But but that's IPA. a blend you can see working. Yeah,
2: sure.
6: Yeah.
3: I mean, a, Why not? a, a hoppy barley wine versus...
6: There's something I've done before is, like, take a sour beer... Mm-hmm. and you take a, like a real hoppy double IPA, mm-hmm. and you mix those two. You know, not mix them, but you know, you have a, a pint get of a, each. Get a blend. Get going. a blend, you know, a little bit of this, a little mm-hmm. bit of that, and that's really nice.
1: Or it's sometimes, like, you know, a, a beer that's exceedingly sour and a beer that's uh, a bit too sweet, you blend a little bit of both of those in, in whatever proportion, right. and you get this nice... Uh, uh, you know balance of of sour or sweet and and it can be quite nice yeah. yeah i mean it's the way that you know certain beers are made you know certain Belgian beers are made that way where they they blend you know the old and the new the point. sour the non soured um there's some British beers like that, and it, it, you know you can actually it's those characters that you can't get separate you know in in brewing one beer you can't you can actually create something that you can't do all on its own in one fermentation. You have to, you know, fully attenuate this thing with souring. You have to, you know, build, you know, all this malt character, or something else, and then blend them together to g- truly get that. So, uh, you know. Um,
3: so it wasn't a silly question. Right.
1: There you yeah.
4: go.
1: There's sort of an answer.
4: All right. Do we got one more? Uh, that's it from the chat tonight.
1: All right. Well, let's see here. Uh, we got time for one. One more, one more. All right.
3: Do you have a good one, John, or you want me to? Uh, it's an easy one.
1: Oh, that's perfect. Let's okay. go with
3: on that one. Uh, Q and A: Whole hop adjustments. Mm. Jameel and John, what type of adjustments should I make when using whole hops? Is there a standard wart absorption rate that I should be using? What about the rate of IBUs? Thanks for putting on a great show. I'm Josh.
4: First, I don't
1: think you should be using whole hops, Well, that's just me. I don't know, and, and some hop scientists, um, um, you'll get more less attenu- less isomerization, less utilization, utilization yeah, isomerization uh, based on temperature, mm-hmm. uh, less utilization um, uh, with the whole cone. But right. I guess one of the questions that, that I thought was interesting on this one was he's asking maybe about wort wort ab- absorption. Yeah. And, you know, does you need to calculate for, you know, the loss of uh, wort at the end of the boil? You know, you got this big, mass of fluffy hop cones at the bottom. Yeah, um, I don't know what that number is because, like, I, again, I, I don't tend to use uh, whole cones
3: anymore. Yeah, I, I, I often do. And certainly whole hops absorb more liquid than the pellets. Mm-hmm. Um, or re- they're not necessarily
1: they're absorbing it, but retaining up. it yeah. in structure. Yeah, and there's true, more nooks true, and crannies, so yeah. nooks and crannies in there that uh,
3: are tying it up. But uh, I, yeah, I don't. Do have you have a number on that? I don't. I don't have a number. Uh, you're useless to this guy, John. I am. But I get that all the time. You're so supposed it to just guess
1: me. and just claim it's it's precise. Say, like, well, I've measured it. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> point six. It's apparently eight percent. Yeah. Eight okay.
3: percent sounds good. Um the i guess the turn to to turn the question around a little bit uh it we commonly talk about 10% more utilization, utilization from right. pellets mm-hmm. right so
1: that's just a number that's been thrown around for for years yeah yeah if everybody Who knows? kind of
3: takes it for granted right yeah you know, the rule of thumb kind of it'd
1: be interesting to measure that
3: i think if we go back to statements we made earlier tonight um where you know brew consistently
1: I thought you were talking when you told me you love me Ah, no no. Uh, I totally messed up all right (laughs)
2: Uh
3: Um, but brew consistently and adjust from there Mm -hmm. so right you know it uh, don't look don't look don't look to us for a standard (laughs) word for an answer yeah (laughs) because we don't have one (laughs)
1: so so keep track of your results. Yes. And again, like you're saying, I guess uh, you know the the difference between pellets and whole hops may be eaten up by a different pitching rate. Yeah, uh, you know when it comes to fermentation, right? Or you know definitely by a yeast strain. Mm-hmm. If you go to White Labs and you know try, they've got a whole a bar there now where uh, they'll take the same wort and they'll pitch like ten different yeasts in it. And you order by, you know, yeast strains, yeah, and you can you can try all these. You will swear that they're completely different worts. You'll be like, well, there's no way this was the same IBU wort uh, as this one. It seems like it's half the bittering, right, right. you know. Uh, it seems like it's twice the bittering. It seems like it's, you know, got a bunch of crystal malt in it. It seems like it's got none. It seems like it's got, uh, you know, a huge amount of late hops. It seems like it has no late hops. All this is done by yeast, yeah, uh, it's a radical difference. So if you're not paying attention to that, then you know maybe this difference between whole hops and pellet hops uh, is imagined in some people. I, I think there is some difference in utilization, just yeah. the exposure of the no, materials. I don't think it's a,
3: a, it's enough difference to be able to calculate it. Yeah, so, yeah. Without tying every other factor down first. So there you go. There's okay. your answer.
1: All right, another fine show. I think. Uh, you know, we were very professional, and uh, <laughs> we drank uh, far more than we should, and enjoyed ourselves. Uh, far less than you often do.
2: <laughs> no, I
1: enjoyed myself a lot. <laughs> okay. I always enjoy myself doing the show, man. That's
3: true.
2: That's true. I had a great time.
1: So if you enjoyed the show, go check out our sponsors, uh, especially BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two N's. Uh, fine uh, gear year to innovate your home brew. And yeah. check out the Brewing Network store. There's uh, books, there's uh, DVDs, there's shirts, hats, glassware, all sorts of great stuff that you can pick up there. And when you do, it helps support the shows of the Brewing Network. And uh, you can continue to get this stuff for free. So uh, don't don't hesitate to do that. And check out uh, great things like uh, Brew Your Own Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we all tend to write for that uh, here now and then. And uh, if you uh, sign up for a uh, subscription. subscription through the Brewing Network, go to BrewingNetwork.com and, and sign up for the Brewing Net- uh, Brew Your Own Magazine. Half that subscription price goes back to the Brewing Network to support the show. And you get a great magazine. So check it out. Till then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody.